This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Definitely couldn't do this in Flapper, so I came all the way to Muncie. Um, I really, really appreciate it. David is amazing. He's been he's been asking me and asking me and asking me, and he doesn't stop. So, Baruch Hashem, um, tonight it worked out. So I really wanted to give you a Pesach shit tonight, being that we're a week before Pesach. But there was a tragedy, as everyone here knows, in Klai Yisrael last Shabbos. And I don't want to be negligent by not addressing um, such a horrific tragedy that seven children in one family, not, not that it's in one family, that all together, seven children, the way it happened, and, and um, of course it was in, in my school, and it was only three and a half blocks away from where I live. So... It's not something to just put under the carpet. Today, actually, is the last day that um, he's sitting shiva. That, you know, getting up tomorrow. So I, I want to address it. Again, I am a peanut. I'm not a person that could really. I'm not a gadol hadar to able to be able to say why things happen. But we definitely have to learn something from it. I'll give you a little bit of what I feel, my insight, and you could agree or disagree. Um, so it went down like this. So Monty Shabbos last week, um, after this happened, so of course the whole Flappish was was in total shock. And um, I've been minig since I'm 40 years old that Monty Shabbos, before Malab, during Malab Malka, I opened up a Zayar and I learned a little bit on that week's parsha. Um, you know that you have to be 40 years old, but not only have to be 40 years old. When you learn Zoya, you have to you want to see out to the Shmaya. So I figured that my weekday neshama is not is not worthy of learning, of learning or understanding any Zoya. But my Shabbos neshama, it comes down once a week already. I can't play ball with it. I can't watch TV with it. I can't listen to music with it. So maybe with the neshama Yisera before it leaves, and it says that after Malava Malka. That's when uh, the Neshama Yisrael leaves. So it was my minute every Matzi Shabbos, 10-15 minutes, to learn Zayar. Whatever I could understand is a safer, of course, Mitaik Midvash. So for those who want to learn, they're older than 40, then um, it's, it's talk translated in such a way that you could understand some of it. So I'm sitting there Matzi Shabbos, and I understand that I have a huge responsibility Outside of the three schools that are mine that I teach in, um, people ask me a lot of questions, and I give shiurim that are publicized. So I knew that this week would be a week full of questions regarding this tragedy. So I'm sitting at the table, and I wash, and I have my zayar, and this zayar actually has vayikra tzav shmini tazria mitzayra, and I said, "Akush baruchu." I don't have any idea what to tell anybody. So, I'm asking you a favor. I'm just going to open the Zayar. And not in my schus, but in the schus of the Rabbin that I deal with, if you could send me a message why this happened. Since I was born, I never heard of such a tragedy. I didn't go through the Holocaust, but since I was born, for 57 years, I never heard of a, a, a parents losing Mamash, almost the whole family. There's one child left. She should be gazunt. She should have refu shalema. But it's not fathomable. And you know, everybody's saying like that phone call to the father. How do you tell the father after Shabbos? You have, your family's gone. So, I said, Kishbuch, if you can help me, 
You know, I'm going to open the Zayar. Maybe you can send me a message. And if the Zayar is talking about a whole different subject, then I realize that it's not meant to be. So I mamish sat there, and I just went like this. And I want to read you what the Zayar opened up to. So we know the Zayar is written in Aramaic. So the opening words on the page says the following. Tochazi. Tochazi in Hebrew means bar-e. Come here, I want to show you. So before I read anything else, I'm like, wow. That's how it's starting? Come here, I want to show you. So maybe maybe I am going to get an answer. Who knows? It opened up to Pashat Vayikra. Daf Yudzayin Amad Beis. Tochazi. Come and see. Bishata the Tikayesh Tokuba Alma. When Sadiqim are the Magine Adar, the protectors of the Dar, are in this world. And the children of the Dar are found learning Torah. Through the Tzadikim. And the children that are the Gezeris that are Mishadesh, that are renewed in every single generation, the terrible edicts against Klai Yisrael, they're the ones that are able to break it, to withhold it. The Shekhinah is able through the Tzadikim and these children to be Mishkayim with us in Golos. If it wasn't for the schusim of the tzaddikim, if it wasn't for these tzaddikim and these children, the shechina would not be able to exist in the world. And if you find tzaddikim, but they don't have enough schusim to be mechaper on the dar. Az inun atfasim bekadamisa, Hashem takes them away first. Kolaymar to tell us shemaisim they die. Kedei lechaper alavain hadar. Not that long ago, fourth tzaddikim in Yisrael, in the middle of davening with their tefillin on and the talaisim, were taken away for the alavain hadar. Ve'imlav, but let's say that. That wasn't enough, for whatever reason. We'll talk about that. These little lambs. The young children who haven't sinned. That the world is mekayim and yeshchus. So they're grabbed. And Hashem takes them away from the world. Even though they did nothing wrong, they did no sins. They're taken away for one reason to be machaper, the sins of the generation. That's what the Zayar opened up to. So it was very straightforward to me. I didn't understand why it happened. And the Zayar is saying very clearly that there comes a time that there's such a gzera 
on Kla Yisrael, that a Kurdish Baruch has to take seven innocent children to be Machaper on the Ovain of Kla Yisrael. Okay, it's not a big Chiddush, right? We know they didn't do any sins. In fact, I know two teachers of two of the children, two of the Sasson children, and they said, you don't understand, it's not Stam. These, two, these kids were not Stam kids. They were like, it was beautiful, holy children in the class. Like, they were, one, one, one teacher said, he was like an Esrig. So it wasn't Stam a kid, but it was the best. So, I'm not great enough to say this, but haven't seen Rabbi Chaim Kainetsky said it on Tuesday, but it was after I said it. Um, so, Baruch Hashem, he said it, so now what I said makes a little sense. So you really have to look. We all, we all learn Sifri Musa. We all learn the Sifarim of the Chavetz Chaim. It's, 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 it's very simple. So, so why did this happen? Did it happen because of Tzniyas? Did it happen because of Lashon Hara? Did it happen because of Bithel Taira? So you have to look at what happened. Chil Shabbos. Chil Shabbos in the Torah has a Pasuk. Loi Sivaru Eish Bechol Moish There should be no fire burning where you live Moish That is the Pasuk of Chil Shabbos. These seven children died in a fire. On Shabbos it says, there shouldn't be an Eish, but this Shabbos there was an Eish. And what caused the fire? A hot plate. What's a hot plate for? A hot plate for Shmir Shabbos. If this had to happen, to be mechaper on the Averis of Kla Yisrael. It could have happened on most fires happened. A short, in a wall, in a wire. But it happened from a hot plate, which is a specific keli that's used for Shmira Shabbos, on Shabbos, with fire. You don't have to be brilliant to get the message that this Gzeira that was on Klai Yisrael, whatever it is, maybe some Arabs are supposed to walk into a yeshiva and kill 300 kids, and, and I Baruch Hu took these seven kabbanas. That, I don't know, that I'm not a Navi, I don't think, I mean, Rami Rav Chaim could say it. We don't know what the Gzeira that the Zayar is talking about, Chadasha is the whole door. We don't know what terrible Gzeira these seven kabbanas were bought for. And everybody's mentioning the seven kabbanas in, in, in Pasha Chaydesh when, you, when you're talking by Muslim, when you say the kabbanas. So the father said, when he got up in Israel, he said, Param Shnayim, that's me and my wife, because Param are the, big, are the biggest of the animals. Shiba Kvasim, that's my seven children. And Ayal Echad, my daughter that got out. Said Mamish, the carbon of Rish Chaydesh. So what we have to take from this, what I took from this, Mati Shabbos, sitting by Manalava Malka, was that we are so desensitized about Chil Shabbos, including the guy who's standing in front of you. I have a high school of girls that have gone through, not Ornava, but a specific high school of girls that have gone through very bad trauma in their life. And they don't keep Shabbos. We work on them that by the end of high school, they should keep Shabbos, but a lot of them don't keep Shabbos. 
and we make Shabbatons for them. And I know that they smoke. And I tell them, do me a favor, don't smoke in the hotel. Don't smoke in front of the hotel. You know, go around the corner. We had a Shabbaton here in Muncie. I was like, don't, don't smoke in the house. Go across the street. They went across the street. I'm not going to tell you where it was. And in the parking lot, there were a bunch of guys who came by car in the middle of Shabbos, a bunch of guys. And they were all smoking. They, we, they came to pick up the girls to take them to Manhattan. My girls made up with the whole thing. I, I said, don't smoke in front of the street. They went out to a parking lot and there was a whole minion going to Manhattan. Okay, so what does that do with me? And the answer is that there's a story with the Chafetz Chaim about a boy that smoked on Shabbos and they threw him out of yeshiva and they brought him to the Chafetz Chaim. It's a very famous story. And the Chafetz Chaim held his hand. He said, what, what happened? Why did you get thrown in yeshiva? He said, I was smoking on Shabbos. He said, the Chafetz Chaim held his hand and he said, this was the hand that, that had the cigarette? <coughs> the boy said, this, yes, this is the hand. And the Chafetz Chaim broke out in such crying and tears that these warm tears, he, I mean, it's a famous story, the warm tears went on this boy's hand, right? And never did he ever smoke again on Shabbos and he changed his whole life, whatever it was. The Chavis, it wasn't, it was Shabbos! You, you smoked on shot, not the boy's a bad boy. He didn't give him musr. He didn't say you're an Aitvaf, Aitvay. He was crying that Hashem Shabbos was Mechalam. This is the Knech that came to me, Matzi Shabbos. That you're not crying that a Jew is Mechalam Shabbos. That's one thing. But that you're not crying that Shabbos was Mechalam. That's a direct insult to Hashem. In other words, it's not this kid's fault and he went through abuse and he's off the derech and his rebbe said the wrong words so he decided to... Whatever excuse you want to make and we have to take them... We have to fly them on a plane now to Israel and give them free drinks and invite them to our house and it's not his fault and Nebuch and I, Rachmanus and this poor kid who's smoking on Shabbos. You want to go through that? You're going to stand at you? Fine, I'm not, I'm not a... I'm not into that at all. That's not my thing. That's not how I was brought up. It's not the way I talk. My guys who are my... Tell me to know that. It's not a reason to be Mechal Shabbos. It's not a reason to be Shabbos. Chayisro went through a lot of stuff too. In the it's not a reason to be Mechal Shabbos. Yes, you really did that. Psh, we got to make sure that doesn't happen again. And you, but you got to stand up. You got to stand up. Because you'll find an excuse in life. Because we all go through abuse. And we all go through things. And people say things to us that are not nice. And, and especially, with, you know, what does it say? It says, um, success breeds contempt. The minute you're doing well, everybody's shooting arrows at you. Okay, no. So I, 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 that's not my thing. It's not my thing. If a guy was Mechal Shabbos, I'm going to take him specifically to Israel and give him a trip. <laughs> the guy who's not Mechal Shabbos should get the trip. So all the good kids today, they're looking at this and they're like, one second. If you smoke a cigarette, you get a hundred bucks, Johnny Walker Blue, they take you to Israel, they take you to Disneyland, they buy you a new suit for Yom Tif. Why am I being a good guy? I just go in the corner, put out a cigarette, and I have 50 guys taking care of me in 18 organizations. But okay. Okay, you have to have Rachmanis. You do. I have a school of such kids. You have to help them. You have to love them. I'm not saying not. But why aren't you crying about Shabbos? Forget the kids. Hashem went, the Medrash says, He went when He married us. When He took us as His kala. He went into His treasure. Right? And He looked for something to give the kala. And the most beautiful present of Allah like, don't give them Shabbos. Leave Shabbos up here. They're not going to keep it. 
You're going to give her pearls and she's going to break the strand and throw all the pearls all over the place. Don't give them Shabbos. And Hashem said, I have a beautiful gift and it's called Shabbos. So I'm not crying on the kid. That's a separate thing. Well, Mike, you should be because an Ashama that's doing, that's being Mechal Shabbos, you should feel bad. Okay, we're not on that level, guys. It's, it's, you know, it's not his fault. Okay, fine. But why aren't you crying on Shabbos? The Shabbos is being Mechal and it doesn't bother you. Why when a girl tells me, okay, Rabbi, I'm going to go two blocks around the corner. I won't smoke in front of the hotel, but I'm walking two blocks. Why am I not standing there like the Chafetz Chaim? Why am I not crying? Hashem, your daughter's smoking on Shabbos. So we're totally a generation that's desensitized. It's, we're desensitized about Shabbos. And Hashem is screaming, If you're not going to listen, Now, I got up and I said this in a class of my high school girls. They were not happy. You think you're God? You decide why these kids died? Who do you think you are? Oh, did I get it. Hi, they. So this girl is just attacking me. You rabbis, and I'm getting the whole schmooze. You think they should have had smoke alarms. It's because they didn't have smoke alarms. I'm like, to teach us about smoke alarms, one kid dying would have been enough. Seven didn't have to die to teach us about smoke alarms. In fact, if one of the kids would have just got burnt third degree, we would all say, Oy vey, she wouldn't have been burnt if there would have been smoke alarms. So it's definitely not about smoke alarms. Sunday morning I went to Shul in Flatbush, and everybody was talking about, you know why this happened? These are irresponsible people. They should have had smoke alarms on every floor. And I'm looking at these people. You are such fools. Yes, you must have smoke alarms. And yes, you must have all these shmiras, because the Shemat Masaf Shei Sechem. But I shan't have to kill seven kids! From one family to teach us to have smoke alarms? If one child would have died, we wouldn't have learned our lesson? If, if one child would have been burnt, we wouldn't have learned our lesson? If all of them would have gone into a coma, and three days later, they would have all come out of a coma alive, we wouldn't all say, oh my gosh, we should get smoke alarms? They had to die? So I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? That's why they died? Because of smoke alarms? And then one chacham, one chacham came out to me and said, Ben Wallace, you heard it was a hot plate, right? I said, yeah. He says, you know, you got to check those hot plates. Those hot plates from China that we buy, seriously, what he said to me, they're not UL inspected. And because they're not UL inspected, so they could have shorts. So we should start a whole thing, because I seem to be the guy that when anyone wants to start a whole thing, right? Anti, we're going to start a new, new organization, anti, not UL tested hot plates. So I was so upset. I looked at him and I said, really? Hashem sat in Shemayim and said, let's kill seven kids so that they don't buy those hot plates that are not UL inspected. I said, are you, is there something wrong with you? I told him, he's a very smart guy. I'm like, is that what this is about? That's the power of the Satan. The Satan takes the Iker and he makes it, and he makes it the tuffle, and he makes the tuffle the Iker. There was, I remember when I was in school, in high school, there's a very famous story. And it's a very sad story. It's got all kinds of different twists and people die and this and that. It's a very, very sad story. And there's one detail in the story that the girl in the story that was murdered was wearing a red dress. And then you have this whole story, this whole story, this whole story. 
and they, I guess they do this in college and in high schools, whatever it is. And at the end of the story, they ask the students, tell me one thing that you remember that you got from this story. 90% of the students wrote, there's a girl in a red dress. People died, cities burnt. You won't believe what happened, tragedies in this story. They, everybody walked out with the detail. It's supposed to teach us a lesson in, in reading. With the detail, because in the story, they were very careful. Everything was black and white and gray. The only thing that had color was the red dress. And that's what everybody remembered. And that's the satan. That's the satan. A message about Shabbos can turn into a smoke alarm? UL uninspected hot plate. And that's what everyone's walking around with. Now, you can't discount the smoke alarm, and, and it wasn't even these people's fault. They were living in their in-law's house. It wasn't even in their house. Nobody even knows the whole story. It wasn't anybody's fault. Because it wasn't supposed to happen. I know someone who had two fires in his house who had no smoke alarms, and nobody got hurt. It happened at 12 o'clock at night. It could have happened. The hot plate could have blown up at 12 o'clock in the afternoon while they were in the kitchen, and the fire would have been put out, and they would have gotten out of the house. It could have happened at 7 o'clock at night. We, we, we can't be tipshim. It happened at midnight, at 12 o'clock, when everybody was sleeping. This was a gzera, as the Zayha says. This is not about a hot plate, and this is not about a smoke alarm. This is a message to us. And what does the Satan do? He takes that whole message of Shemir Shabbos, and he puts it aside. Now, it's nothing to do with that. It doesn't do that. It could have happened on any day. It's not about Shabbos. It's about a smoke alarm. So this girl is attacking me. And like for 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, it's my opinion. You can have your opinion. I'm trying to be nice. She came in the wrong mood that day. So finally, it's a problem that I have because the guys that know me, mean, even though I have this girl's school, I'm not a girl's school teacher. I'm a guy. I played tackle football. I played ice hockey my whole life. I'm not used to talking to girls. I was a rebbe of eighth grade for 32 years. So this girl was just pushing and pushing. Finally, I said, she said to me, your opinion doesn't matter. I have my opinion. And that's what matters. And she's doing this in front of the whole class. So finally, I'm like, eh, you pushed the buzzer. <laughs> so I'm like, listen to me, you little punk. <laughs> that's what I said. I said, I'm 57 years old. You're 19 years old. You don't even have a day up. You're a little punk. Now you sit down and be quiet. Okay? Class is over, right? And I gave this class and I'm giving you. About the fire and the xera and the zoya and the whole thing. What did the class come out with at the end of the class? Rabbi Wallerstein called a student a punk. The whole class went out the door. That's it. The red dress, have a good day. That's what he said. Seven kids died. Tragedy. Family Nebuchadnezzar Shabbos. Could you imagine? I was thinking on my way up here last Thursday night. They were all home. Everything was great. I'm driving up here. I'm thinking, the whole family, eight kids, right? Two parents, a normal family, looking forward to Pesach. I'm driving up here. It's a week ago. It's not even a week ago. And I'm like, look what could happen in one moment. So anyway, I was looking for a little help. So I went to an adult, and I told the adult, you know, uh, I have to apologize to this kid. I, I shouldn't have called her a punk, even though, by guys, uh, what's a punk? Is when a 12th grader tells a 9th grader, hey, you're a punk, stop, you know, stop. I'm, I'm 18, you're, you're, you're 14, it's enough. But by then, for some reason, punk means a street punk. I don't know what, what I don't know. They got all kukuruku that I, that I use that word. Okay, fine. I went over to her, I said, I am sorry. 
I said it. I'm not, I'm not, I should not have called you a punk. I should have called you a little kid. Right? I shouldn't have used that word. I should have said, you're a little kid. I'm, I'm your Rebbe. It's enough. Fine. So I go over to this adult. And I'm like, so you heard what happened? Of course, they ran right away. Yeah, I heard you. You lost it. You, you call this kid a punk. I'm like, I know. So this adult says to me, do you know that if my son's Rebbe would have done that, I would have been in school in two minutes, and I would have told that principal that that Rebbe has to go. That's what this person is telling me. I said, really? hundred percent. I said, well, it's good I own the school. <laughs> you have nowhere to go. So I looked at her and I said, she's maybe 30. I said, you see, there's a difference between your generation and my generation. If I came home to my father and told him that the Rebbe called me a name, my father would say, Zachariah, what did you do to cause your Rebbe? I know your Rebbe is a nice guy. How did you get him that angry? What did you do to get him to call you such a name? And whatever it is, you better go and apologize. I mean, you pushed him so hard. And of course, when you find out that the kid came in fresh and fresh and fresh, then whose fault it is? Look what happened here. The Rebbe has been fired. Why don't you ask the kid... If the Rebbe called you a punk, what did you do to push those buttons? That's not this generation. Not this generation. The Rebbe's fault is everybody's fault. Instead of trying to figure out if someone acted like that, unless he's a Meshuggah all the time, but he's a nice guy and he takes care of you and he buys you things. That it, so, so if Rabbi Wallerstein, who does everything for you in the world, everything, whether it's money or food or clothing or dormitory, does everything, calls you a punk, you must have really said something nasty. No. You should be fired. That's the switch. That's the flip that happened in Achinach today. If the kid comes home, again, if he's an abusive Rebbe, and he's always an abusive Rebbe, 100%. But if you have a kid who has a beautiful relationship with, you, with a Rebbe, and they're really close, and they're really doing good, and one day, for some reason, not the Rebbe Chavshom hit him, but for some reason, the Rebbe said something that hurt the kid, you, you need to ask the child first, Is he? did he just say that? What did you do to get your Rebbe? Your Rebbe's like a tzaddik. What did you do to get him to say that? Now, if he didn't do anything, then you got the Rebbe's got to go. Something's very wrong. But if you ask your kid first, maybe he'll learn that he can't just walk around pointing fingers and right away we react and the, where the finger is pointed, find out where it came from. Okay. So that, that went down and I was a little bit, okay, maybe I shouldn't be talking like this. Maybe I don't have a right to say it, Shabbos. Even though we know the Chavetz Chaim says, if you have an earache, you listen to Lashon Hara. If you have pimples in your mouth, you spoke Lashon Hara. The Ariya the, the, the Kodesh always talks about the Aver that did the Avera is the Aver that got hurt. The Ariya Kodesh said that he could, he, if you would come to him, let's say you say your finger would hurt, he could tell you what love in the Torah is connected to that, to that finger. So he would tell you, you have to fix that. Whatever Aver, whatever was wrong with you, there are 613 mitzvahs, there are 613 Averim. So if something goes wrong in your body, he could tell you, so everything is connected. So if there's a fire, there's a Fire, it's on Shabbos, it's screaming, fire on Shabbos. It's not screaming sneers, it's not screaming Lashon Hara. I got an email from someone interesting, he said, I think it's screaming Achdus. I'm like, they wrote, because now that, that these kids died, all the Kleistol got together. And when the four Rabbanim died, all Kleistol got together. When the three soldiers, the three kids in Eretzisrael got killed, all, all, all of Kleistol got together. I said, that's the reaction. But you have to look at the nega. In Eretz Yisrael, same deal. 
four tzaddik, and if you read the stories afterwards, and I'm sure you did, these four were not stopped. And two of them shouldn't have been there. They already davened. Four tzaddikim get killed. And the way they get killed in the tefillin in blood and the talus in blood, shadurim in blood, right? Do you know what people came out of saying after that? Do you know what the reaction to that terrible thing that happened? So the smart people said, it happened in a shul. The Arabs could have shot them outside of the shul. Half, ten minutes later, they would have killed them outside. It happened in the shul. It happened with Talos and Tefillin. It happened in Milkriyashma. It happened during Davening. You think it's Sneas? You think it's Lashon Hara? It must have something to do with Tefillah. Kavana, talking by Davening. Covered over Beit HaKnesses. That's where it happened. You know how people reacted to that murder? Two reactions. One, I always said that the shul in Eretz Yisrael have to have an armed guard standing outside. First reaction. Second reaction. We shouldn't allow Arabs to work in Makolets. Those two came from a grocery. If we would only have Jews working in a grocery, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> the detail, the red dress. Hashem had to kill four tzaddikim if an Arab would have walked into a shul and it would have gotten into the shul and it would have had a grenade and it would have thrown it. And for some reason it didn't work. Didn't go off. Then we all would have said, you know what? Arabs are walking into shuls. We need security guards. You don't have to kill four people to learn about security guards. And if an Arab and a Makolet, right? Try to kill somebody. Or he tried to shoot somebody. And they shot him dead. But he was in a Makolet. He was working for a Makolet. We would learn. Maybe you shouldn't have these guys working in a Makolet. Four people have to be killed? Tzaddikim? In a shul? No. It's not the message. The message is Tvila in a shul. And covered of a shul and no phones and no talking and coming on time. The message is in a security guard? Or you shouldn't hire Arabs? That's his koyach. He takes the ikr. He takes a story of tragedy and he turns it into what's the thing you remember? The red dress. That's his koyach. We cannot fall into that. Now, I don't know, and I'm not talking about for anyone here, I know for myself that my sensitivity to Chilol Shabbos is not what it should be. I've accepted it. I've embraced it. We'll work on them. We'll change them. We'll do something to help them. But I don't go home and cry. But the bottom line is there are people on their phones on Shabbos. There are from kids from from families on their phones on Shabbos. There are kids from Hasidic families and regular families that are smoking on Shabbos. There are guys getting into cars on Shabbos. The sensitivity for that should be bothering me. Not them. But that Shabbos is taking such a hit. Kodesh Baruch Hu's beautiful pearl necklace that he gave us is taking such a hit in Kalei Yisrael. And I am not sitting and crying. There's something wrong. Other people shouldn't use the 18 minutes. You know what you got to do. Start Shabbos five minutes early. Buy something for the house for Shabbos. Dabble with Kavana. Stop worrying about how much liquor you're going to drink this Shabbos. That's not what Shabbos is all about. Shabbos is a 26-hour date with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Treat it that way. I don't know if I told you that story last time, but I talk about this. I'm very anti-alcohol. Altogether. For, I see what it does, but outside of that, it makes you into a bluff. Because if you need to drink to go to a wedding, my, my children's wedding was alcohol-free. Oh, were people complaining. Oh my gosh, you'd think there was no food. 
There's no alcohol, there's no food. And I said, if I told my, my, my son-in-law, I said, if your friends can't be misameach, you can't dance, and have the best time of their lives without drinking, then they're not your friends. Because I could be misameach, if I'm happy for someone, I don't need a drink. So Shabbos, we have these kiddishes and after shul kiddishes and going from one house to the next house till you finally get home and, and, and this guy has Johnny Walker Blue and Johnny Walker Gray and Johnny Walker Silver and I've got one that's 21 years old and you've got one that's 18 years old. Alright? I'll tell you a funny story about wine in a minute. So, I said, you know what this looks like? I, I think I might have said it the last time a few years ago. So th- this, this father has a friend who has a daughter. She is downright the ugliest girl that was ever created in the world. Nobody will date this girl. Nobody. And the friend calls this boy's father and says, Could you do me a favor? My daughter has not had a date. She's 26. She has never had a date. No one wants to go out with her. Could you do me a favor? Your son should just go out with her once. For me, he doesn't have to marry her, but he needs to, a little hope. So the father says, Well, why doesn't anyone go out your daughter? He says, ha, ha, ha. If you saw her, you'd understand. So he goes to his son. He says, Listen, I have a chaver. His daughter's sabrochen. Do me a favor. Take her out. So the boy's like, for his father, he's keeping a vein. Okay, how, how bad could she be? Right? If she's a hunchback. I mean, how bad could she be? Fine. For daddy, I'll do it once. Fine. He goes to the house. He rings the bell. This girl comes to the door. Girls don't like when I tell the story this way. They're like, why isn't the guy ugly? Okay. So, so he comes to the door, and this girl shows up the door. You never saw such a thing. Right? So he's like, oh my gosh, I can't. I can't take her out. My friends are going to see. <laughs> Anybody going to see me with this kid? Oh, I- so he tries the old trick. He goes, hi, um, I'm here to tell you that my brother's sick. He won't be able to pick you up tonight. And she's like, no, no, I saw your picture on the Facebook. It's you. So he's stuck. So he gets into the car with her. And he thinks to myself, I cannot go anywhere. If, if, they, if they see me, my friends, they will not stop laughing for the rest of my life. I'll never hear the end of it. And he's, he's trying to say, what should I do? He says, I have a fantastic idea. I'll go to a bar. Ah, your friends might be there. Probably not. I'll go to a bar with her. My friends won't be there. We'll go. We'll have some drinks. I'll have a good time. I'll have some drinks. And I'll take her home and have a good day. I can't believe my father did this to me. <laughs> Fine. He gets into the car. He goes to the bar. They sit down at the bar. He mamish can't look at her. Right? He orders a drink for himself. He orders a drink for her. He knocks it back. He's talking to her. He gets another drink. And soon, she's not so ugly anymore. She's beginning to get better looking because he keeps drinking. And the more drunk he gets, the better looking she gets. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there for three hours, four hours. He's drinking away. She's not drinking. He's drinking away. He's like, wow, I never met someone so beautiful. She's like, wow, this guy's right. Okay, they're there for five hours. The father of the girl is like looking at his watch. Five hours? It might happen. Who knows? He takes her, she takes him home actually because he's blitz, he's totally blitzed out of his brains right and the next day he's out his father gets a call from his friend Chaim do you know that your son took my daughter out for five hours and at the end of the day he said that she's beautiful I mean this might work talk to your son he's like all excited so he wakes up his son he says no what happened five hours Hey, Tati, you don't understand. But you said she's beautiful. No, no, no. I said that I was blitzed out of my brains. I mean, I would have looked at an ostrich. I would have said it's beautiful. I mean, anything was beautiful. I am not 
Going out with her? Again. Forget about it. Crazy story, no? It's not a crazy story. If you have to drink on Shabbos to get through Shabbos, you're telling Hashem, you have a daughter who's so ugly called Shabbos that I cannot go out with her unless I'm blitzed. That's what you're telling him. And the only way I can deal with 26 hours with this ugliness and boredom and stupidity is if I drink and drink and drink and drink before davening and drink after davening and keep drinking because I cannot stand your daughter. And that's what people who drink all Shabbos are telling Hashem. I cannot deal with Shabbos unless I am high, unless I am buzzed. And now you don't understand why we're going through what we're going through on Shabbos. But we tell him that his daughter is that ugly. Can't make it through Shabbos, man. Thank God for Mishpacha and Bina and Hamadiya and 20 different other magazines that I could read because it's so boring. My Rabbi Agamil says that every, every hour that you spend on Shabbos learning Torah, he brought down, he showed me a safer, considered a thousand times that hour. The Kabbalistic Sefer that says every, every minute you do learn on Shabbos considered a thousand minutes. Do you have any idea what Shabbos is? Hashem turns off the whole world. He turns off Gehenna, the biggest Risham, the biggest Risham in the world. I saw something unbelievable in the Zoya many weeks ago. He says the following. He says, what does Hashem do in Gehenna with the Risham that were Machal Shabbos? So if they're Machalo Shabbos, Mideh Kedegin is that for them, Gehenna should be on Shabbos. You didn't keep Shabbos. Why should you be rewarded with Shabbos? Says the Zayah that Shabbos is so holy in the next world that Gehenna is off for everyone. Even the one who's Machalo Shabbos, Freik the Zayah, so how do they get punished for their Chalo Shabbos? So he answers that the fire during the week that's, that they're burning in becomes higher than what they deserve to make up for what they deserve from Shabbos. But there's no fire on Shabbos. That's what Shabbos is. Even if you're Mechal Shabbos, it's so holy, it's such a matana, and in Shemayim, Gehenim is off for everybody, for anybody and everybody. And here, we look at, some of us look at Shabbos, that it is Gehenim. How am I going to make it through Shabbos? I can't do it. How many times I hear that? I can't do it. So our job, even though I wanted to come talk to you about Pesach tonight, but this happened right before Pesach, our job is the next is, is to turn around that we shouldn't have any more kabbanos, and 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 to and to bring back Shmir Shabbos the way it, the way it's supposed to be the way it is, and everyone has to know. Maybe make five minutes. Well, again, maybe you're in the shower in 18 minutes, and that's that's not what you should be doing. Maybe you're not learning on Shabbos. I don't know what you're doing, what you're not doing, but whatever it is, and even if you're perfect, you should take on something if we want to. Do something for these neshamas, and you don't have to worry about these neshamas. Because let me tell you what Rav Chaim Vital says. There's a very, very famous story from Rav Chaim Vital. It's a whole long story about a woman, and she lost her kid, and she lost her husband, and she was crying, and, and she went, had a dream, and whatever. It's a long story. She went into, into the next world, and Eliyad Nabi was there, and he took her to see her husband. He was giving a shear. It's, it's a beautiful Rav Chaim Vital, very long story. She lost a child, was killed in one of these blood libels where the guy came in and they killed the child. And she said, I want to see the child. Uh, she was in the next world, and the, he was dressed as an old man. She asked Eliyahu Navi, could you take me, you took me to this, to this, to that? 
want to see my child. Elianavi said, I can't help you. So what do you mean? He said, he said children that die, right? The loichat time, children that die. There's a place in the next world where the Shechina goes to teach them Torah. He's the Rebbe. And Rav Chaim Vital says that the, the Malach Matatron, who's the highest of all Malachim in the next world, is not allowed near that room. No Malach, no Moshe Rabbeinu, no Avram, no Neshama in the next world can look into that room because the light from that room you cannot handle. So you know he said, I can't take you to the room to see your child. So she begged him, could you ask my child to come out of the room on the edge of the room so I could just see him and then I'll be happy. In the story, the child came to the edge of the room and the mother thought, so you don't have to worry about these seven. They're in a place that Moshe Rabbeinu can't see them. You don't have to worry about them. You have to worry about us. That's where they are. They died on Kiddush Hashem. Anybody who changes their Shabbos because of them, turned it into a, not a smoke detector, and not a hot plate, but turned it into a Kiddush Hashem. That they died in order that all of us should bring our level of Shabbos up another, another level. Okay. I got that off my chest. And don't start up with me, because I'll call you a punk. I want to talk about Pesach. So... And it's, and, it's, and it's very much connected It happens to be very much connected to Actually this part of Shabbos Of what I'm talking about with Shabbos So This collector came to my office this week And he's one of these Yerushalmis Who's like very very sharp And he always comes to talk Torah So he comes into my office And I'm about to give him a check And he says Before you give me the check would you mind if I ask you a question on the Haggadah? And it's the easiest question you ever heard. But if you can't answer it, if you can answer it, I don't want the check. But if you can't answer it, I want double. I'm like, this is my game. I said, it's an easy question. He said, it's the most passionate question you ever heard on the Haggadah. I'm like, bring it on, let's go. Okay, you got a deal. Okay. So he says the following. He blew me away. He says, in Chagadja, you know, Chagadja is ready when you're half asleep. Right? It's really not fair. The whole part after the, after the meal, that whole part, you know, it, 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 takes, to, it, it takes to get from the beginning of the Seder till uh, Dayenu takes us about five and a half hours. It takes from benching till um, Chagadja about five and a half minutes. So I think maybe we should start one year from the beginning of the Seder should be Chagadja. And the next year we should start with Halach Ma'anya. Because who knows, who knows Chagadja? A couple of Mekubalim wrote a couple of Svarim on it, but who, who knows Chagadja? Right? The Zvan Abba betrays Zuzay. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Abba. The Trey Zuzay is the Luchais. That he was kind of us. Be'ishos, he was kind of us as his wife. Betray Zuzay, which is a, which, fine, everyone knows a Kabbalistic thing. So he says, okay, so, so what happened? So the guy was us, along came a cat, maybe a bobcat, not a little cat, and it ate the guy. Okay. And then along came a dog, it's normal, dogs eat cats, and ate the cat. Along came a stick and hit the dog, then came a fire, burnt the stick. It's a very nice story, in the water, eh? And uh, along came the cow and drank the water, you all have the pictures in the back of your Mahagada. And then came the Sheikhet, and he killed the uh, Cow, 
And the next picture I always skipped as a kid. I used to cover it, the Macham because they always had these scary pictures with blood at the end of the sword. I don't know who wrote these Haggadahs. When I was a little teeny kid with skulls and bones, I'm like, what is that? You know, because the, the, the way they show the Macham is it's a skull and bones. And, and I, I was a kid, I was like, Ugh, like, you know. So, and then Hashem came and whacked the Macham right? Okay. He says, so everything's pretty natural. He says, I have a kasha. So the cash, but I saw it came. And it ate the gadja. The dog, also, right, Kalba? And it ate the shunra. How did the stick get there? But also, Chutra, the vehicle of Kalba. The stick came and hit the dog. One second. Sticks don't walk. This is not Stamakasha. He says, so everything else makes sense. Fire, right, rages. It goes from one place to the other, so it could have burnt the stick. Water overflows and put out the fire. He says, everything on its own energy could do what it's supposed to. But what's the thing you're saying? And the stick came and hit the dog. Sticks don't come and hit dogs. It should say, and a person came with a stick in his hand, and he hit the dog. Now, I'm 57 years old, Kenai Nahara. I'm at least reading the Haggadah for 53 years. And I'm like... What? <laughs> How did I miss this? <laughs> he says, double the check. <laughs> I did. He got me. I'm like, all these years I'm saying the stick came, but a stick can't come. It doesn't walk. He says, you want to hear the tarots? I said, of course I want to hear the tarots. <laughs> the tarots is neyudik. He says, the Baha wrote it this way for a reason. It's because when you read the story, it's all natural things. Yeah! Even kids understand it. Cats eat dogs. Right? I mean, dogs eat cats. Cats eat, you know, if it's a big bobcat, eats a little Nebuchadnezzar, a kid, right, a, a goat. Sticks, you know, hit dogs, and fires burn sticks, and water puts out fire, and yeah, and it all makes sense. But there's something about a gun to put in the middle that makes no sense. That a stick showed up and hit a dog on its own. So all of a sudden you raise your eyebrows and you're saying, one second, something here is not natural. Must be that if the stick hit the dog, Hashem was holding the stick. Because actually each one of these things, the dog and the cat, was a, was a gullus that we were in. So we got out of the goal. Oh, sure, the Roman Empire fell apart. The Greek Empire fell apart. The Babylonian Empire fell apart. They all fell apart. No! No! The stick hit the dog. There's a hand. There's someone behind that stick. A stick can't do anything on its own. So you can't use the excuse, well, that's nature. It's natural. Things happen. Things blow up. Doesn't have UL. Ha ha. What can you do? No smoke alarm. Right? You can look at everything and make it natural. So the Bible goes put something and said, no. Nothing is natural. The cat biting and the dog biting and the fire and the shaykhid and the wood. All this stuff is not natural. Just like the stick has no one to help it to hit the dog, but it ended up hitting the dog anyway because the hand that hit the dog, that, that, that held the stick, is a hand that you don't see. It's the hand of a Kurdish Baruch Hu. And I was like, I'll triple your check now. <laughs> wow! And at the end of the Haggadah, what better lesson of Haggadah at the end of the Haggadah when you're talking about all these different things that happen in a person's life to understand that even the stick that hits, even when we go through a magaifa, when we go through things that hurt, and so many people in this generation are going through things that hurt, 
so much sickness, so much divorce, there's so much hurt. Don't think it's natural. Oh, there's more cancer in the world because of power lines in Muncie. But the kid was born with cancer and the baby's a month old. What kind of power lines? Definitely wasn't smoking or eating fatty foods. So what's your excuse now? So at the end of the Haggadah, at the end of the Haggadah, what's the Seder? The Seder means life. The, ha- the Haggadah, I don't have time for that. Rav Pinkis talks about how the whole Haggadah is about life and that the matzos represent the skeleton, the white of the skeleton of the body, which is Zohar, which comes from the man. And the veins and all the things that have color come from the woman. We know that the Gemara talks about this. So the organs in your body, the color in your eyes and your kidneys looks has a color. Everything has a color. Your lips have a color, right? That all comes from the Nikeva, comes from the wife. So Rav Shimshin says, it's unbelievable. He says, the matzah is the etzem, is the skeleton. So you have the matzah is, the, is, is in the middle of the ka'ara, right? You have Yisrael. On top are the organs. It's all color. Haraisis is one color, copper is another color. The bay is another color, the, 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 the bone is another color. These are all different colors. Those are all the organs. And he explains what each one stands for. But the actual etzem is the matzah. And what's the matzah called in the zoyar? It's called the lechem, the meimenusa. Matzah by, in the zoyar always calls it the bread of emuna. So Rav Shimson says, the skeleton of Klayusrol is emuna. If you don't have the three matzos, you don't have a seder plate. So you have the, the etzem foundation that's in your seder plate, which is the world because it's round, is emuna. Once you have emuna, you can, you can build Torah and all chesed and all your other things and all the things on top that stand for all the beauty, all the organs, all the beauty in a person, all the colors in a person. That you can build, but you can't build it unless you have a skeleton. If you don't have a muna, you can't build anything. It's his share. And he says, we, as Klai Yisrael, were built in Mitzrayim. We came in Meshiv and Nefesh and we went out one nation. So we were built. Pesach night, we were built. So we have to rebuild he said, and that's what we do. That's how we rebuild. The wine is blood. And he goes through every organ in a person's body. And that's why the wine is essential because without blood a person can't live. Right? And he goes through mamash everything. And he says, and what is the neshama, the breath of the person? So you have the blood. You have the, the organs. You have the, the skeleton. But what, you know, it's a golem. What gives it its life? Is the sipi yitzis mitzrayim. Is the breath. When you talk about yitzis mitzrayim, that's the breath. You're blowing, this is the lotion that he uses. You're blowing the breath into the body by Yitzhi Yitzhi Mitzrayim. Without Yitzhi Yitzhi Mitzrayim, you have a body. And he says something nairidic. He says, if you pile up a bunch of organs, you will not know if it's a human organ or an animal organ. A stomach could be a human stomach, could be an animal stomach. A heart, unless you're a doctor, could be an animal's heart, could be, you know, the lamb has a very, uh, uh, the pig has a very, a pig has a heart that's almost like human. They take the actual valves of the pig and use it in human valves. That's how close they are. That's how close they are. So if you have a pig's heart and a human heart next to each other, you're not a doctor, we don't know the difference. She says, if you pile up a bunch of organs, you can't really tell if it's an animal's organ or a human. He said, but a skeleton, if you look at a skeleton, you know right away if it's an animal or a human. There's no animal skeleton that looks human. So he said, the organs, the, and all the other stuff, Right? Goyim do chesed, goyim do kibbutz aveim, goyim do a lot of stuff. But emuna, the skeleton of the Jew, the matzah, and that's why matzah is so important on the night of Pesach, the matzah, the skeleton of the Jew, you can't mix up with anyone else. 
That's the emuna of Klai Yisrael. And without that, the rest of the state of plate doesn't count. Three, the three, what he talks about. It's no It's a no ridiculous thought. In the middle of the Seder plate is the Maror. Interesting. In the middle of your world that you have on top there is the Maror. You think the middle of my plate is the Maror, is the bitterness? And next to it is the Charaisas. So if you think the last Kasha I asked was the bomb Kasha, listen to this. This you have to say over by the Seder table. And it helps us a little bit with what happened last Friday night. So Charaisas, the Shulchan Aruch says, the Charaisas, you have to Use red wine. Not white wine. You have to use red wine in your charoises. You could use dates if you're Sephardic. You can use dates. You can apples and cinnamon. All the other good stuff. But you have to use red wine. Why, says the Shulchan Aruch? To remind us of the babies that were in the walls of Mitzrayim. The blood of the babies, not the ones that were thrown into the Nile. The blood of the babies, it says, that were in the walls of Yerushalayim. Freight Akasha... What? Charoises is sweet. You dip your maror in the charoises to make the maror sweet. The charoises is much more bitter than the maror. Maror represents Abdus. They whipped you, they beat you, you were slaves. Charoises represents dead babies in a wall. What's worse? There are other nations that went through slavery. Okay, let's bet. But you're going to take the marar and dip it in the blood of the babies that were put into the wall? The, the charoises should be made with red wine vinegar. That's what it should be made with. Red wine vinegar. Bitter. You should be eating. You should spit it out. Bitter babies. Jewish babies in a wall. But we're told to take the marar and make it sweeter by dipping it into something that's much worse. Dead Jewish babies from a wall. And the Shulchan Aruch says you have to make it sweet? What is sweet about that? Bomb question. That is a, that's an atomic bomb question. Teretz is fascinating. The Teretz is a medrash in Shmais. And the medrash in Shmais is the following. Because Baruch was sitting on his Kisei Din, the Jews went through the Yam, and the Mitzrayim were following us. And the Baruch Hu told the Malachim to take the water and cover the Mitzrayim. And the Sar of Mitzrayim got up in front of Hashem. Now you have to understand that the Sar of Mitzrayim is a Malach, so he knows how to learn. It's And he says to our Baruch Hu, hold on, before you drown my nation and destroy my nation, isn't it true that you have a Halacha in Shulchan Aruch? And the Halacha is that a person is supposed to give up their life for three cardinal averas, Shvichas Damim, Gilead Royas, and Avoid Zara. Right? If someone puts a gun to your head and says, bow down to this idol, you have to die. If he says, kill this guy, or else I'm going to kill you, you have to die. If he says, commit adultery, you have to die. Says the Shulchan Aruch, but what happens? They put a gun to a guy's head, and they said, bow down to an Avoid Zara, and he bowed down. Is he over and Avera, is he Chayev? Shulchan Aruch says he's not Chayev, because it was an Aines. So, you're supposed to give up your life. But if you couldn't, you had a gun in your head. And you're like, bowing down to Buddha. I, 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 I'm just, I can't, I have kids, I have a house. I can't. And he bows down. You know, he's, he's, it's not a chait. But honest, it's a gun in your head. If he killed someone else, Lamaish should be chayim misa for killing someone? No. He shouldn't have killed him. He should have died. 
we can't give a Misa. Came the Malach of Mitzrayim, and he said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're right, the Mitzrayim shouldn't have drowned the Jewish kids. But, look at Pasha Shmos, Paro said, I'm giving you a commandment, take the Jewish kids and throw them in the, in the Nile. Meribah Malchus is Chayim Misa. So if the Egyptians would not have listened to their king, they would have been killed. So you're right, halakhically, they tell you to kill a kid or, or get to kill, you're supposed to get killed. But they didn't listen. But according to you, they're not Chayiv. They're not Chayiv Misa. So how could you kill my, how could you kill my Mitzrim? Alam Shemalach. They're not Chayiv Misa. According to your halakha, they're not Chayiv Misa. It's Medrash. So Kershbaruch who said, stay. Don't drown them. He had a good time. Went along the Malach Gavriel, flew down the Medrash, says to Mitzrayim, took a baby, even says what baby, I don't know which one, took a baby out of the wall, brought it up to Hashem, to the Kisar Kavod, threw it in front of the Bezin Shalmail, in front of the Kisar Kavod, and said, the Tsar of Mitzrayim has a Taina, right, because the king told him to throw him in the Nile River, and therefore they were Ma'anes, but the king never told them that if they'd run out of, run out of bricks to use babies. That was the Mitzrayim's idea. So that they were not Ma'anes. For that, Yechayim Misa. I forgot the word, I think it was Kalim. Hashem said Kalim, destroy them, wipe them out, and that's when they brought all the water and destroyed, destroyed the Mitzrayim. So even though it's such a terrible thing what happened that they put babies in the wall but those babies in the wall and Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that whoever's in the wall leave them in the wall and he took one out who ended up becoming the biggest enemy of Moshe Rabbeinu Hashem said leave them they're supposed to be in the wall but Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader and his job is to save Christ so he took them out of the wall so Hashem said because of these babies in the wall, the Mitzrim have to die because they weren't they, they were Ma'anes. So, what is Haroises? Haroises is the blood of the children. would look so terrible. What's the sweetness of the Haroises? That without them, there would have been no Yeshua. So through this terrible Gezeira, what happened, came a Yeshua. So we have Morah on the table. Morah are the bitter things that happened in our lives. Where should you dip that? You should dip that into something that looked so terrible, but ended up becoming unbelievable for us. That will make the bitterness be able to handle. If you know that whatever Hashem brings into the world, even if it's a, ta- a terrible gzera, as the, as the Zayah says over here, seven children died, but you know that those seven children probably saved 7,000 of us, or 70,000, or 700,000 of us. If we understand that, we have to learn from it, but the bitterness changes. So haroises, even though it's such a terrible thing, is actually sweet. Because the end of it, what it did, it brought the Yeshua to Klai Yisrael. And that's such an important factor when it comes to the Marah, which represents the Marah in all of our lives. So I want to end with this. There's so much, there's so much. There's so much. And you know, the Kava Yosha, I don't know if you have the Kava Yosha or not. But the uh, Kaba Yashua on Pesach is, is off the charts. So the Kaba Yashua says, he talks about cleaning and he talks about who should set the table. But I want to read you inside. Hold on. I'm in Yom Kippur. We don't want to go to Yom Kippur. Shuas. Oh, listen to this. So we, we should all know what we're going to do. This is the funny story I want to tell you about the wine. So I'm in a wine store in Flappish, and these young guys are talking about bottles of wine. I don't understand. 
I drink Queen Malaga, you know, whatever. Six dollars a bottle. You know, Queen Pink Concord from Rashi. But I'm in this high fluid store. They have their own room in the back. Special wines, reserves, special reserves, special this. All of a sudden, the Jewish nation, we became wine connoisseurs. And I am I said, okay, whatever it is. Wine connoisseurs, cigar connoisseurs, scotch connoisseurs. All of a sudden, it's a new thing. You know, I'm a bucky and scotch. I grew up, there was no such thing as a bucky and shots, but there was a, there was a bucky and shots, not a bucky and scotch. But yeah, scotch, 20 years, 50 right, fine. So these guys are in there. I have to have gone in to buy some wine for, for not even for my Seder, for Shabbos. And I'm listening to these, I'm not going to call them schnitzlach, but the three guys that are, you know what I mean? So, like, this guy's holding a bottle. He says, how much is that bottle? 150 bucks. Special reserve, it has numbers. Numbers. So, Not stamp. It has numbers. They put numbers on it. They're smart. Anyway, so they're talking. And he's like, 150. He goes, wow, that's it. And the cave, but not the regular cave for $55. There's a special cave. And I'm like, the cave? That's for, that's for like Bomer. She might came out of a cave. That's, that, that, that. We're, we're on Pesach because there's something about a cave. Okay. I thought it was pretty cute, the cave on Lag Bahama, that's a good idea. Right, okay, anyway, so they're having this whole discussion. So I'm a wise, I'm listening, you know, my blood's starting to like cook a little bit. 150, 175, the reserve, I bought, last year I bought all the bottles they had of that special reserve. There was like 26 bottles that they made, I bought them all. And he doesn't have any left, okay? So, I'm a wise guy, and I walked over and I'm like, so what's going on? What are you guys talking about? Said, oh, all right, Walsh, how are you? So I said, wow, $150. So, so when you like put your finger in for Dom, that's like 20 bucks. <laughs> so they are another 20 bucks. I'm like, that's got to hurt. Don't tell me you're drinking back all those plates, you know, because it's so expensive, you know. Oh, funny, funny, right? Walsh, you're very funny. Okay. I said, by the way, you know, the, the four cups, you know, there, there's like a word in the Torah that goes to each, you know, cup. You guys remember, like, whole something, you know? I said, I'm giving a class tonight. I just, you guys must, you must know why you're drinking this wine. He said, yeah, yeah, this full of shyness of Gaula or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you remember them? Forget about it. No idea. Well, Kakti, Vatsesi, Vagalti. $150? It has numbers. Okay! So I'm like, so... What do you do for Kershaw Yo? I mean, that's like $300. Right? If you have a big Kershaw Yo, two bottles, it's like $300. I'm like, you know, what's the deal? I said, by the way, you know, Kershaw Yo also represents something. I'm already giving a share in the wine store. Like, you know, yeah, Kershaw Yo, you know, you open the door, you shake it a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, how come we don't drink the fifth cup? They have no idea. They have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, it's Vehevesi for Mashiach. Mr. Shem, this year we're going to drink the fifth cup. Vehevesi. Really? Wow! It's like I gave a, a class, you know. Maybe they'll hire me in the wine store, give a class. Well, Akakti is that bottle. The Hitzalti is that bottle, right? And I'm thinking to myself, the red dress. You got a whole Seder and you're coming out with, I spent $150 on a bottle of wine. And the whole Seder is about representation. Everything in the Seder, it's not about the matzah. If you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, Tati, this matzah this year, it's much thinner. Oh, I can't stand it. Every time I eat matzah, I get a headache. Oh, the wine, I don't like this wine. Can we get to the meal already? Oh, my, my brother comes from Britain. You know the story. You want you, kid, you, you have these tamidei, chachamim of sons and sons-in-laws, and you spent all that money that they should learn Torah, and they come to the Seder loaded with Torah, and they sit down, they're about to start saying, what do, you, what do we tell them? Listen, you want to say Torah? Tomorrow my lunch. Tomorrow my lunch, you can say. You're going to sit here all night, right? What? Guys who come 
five hours late to Minyan, they're never on time for anything? Chatzois. We have to finish Daffy Coleman by Chatzois. I'm like, you don't do my Kriyashma, it's my filler. Chatzois. Because if we finish by Chatzois, then for sure by 12.45 we finish the whole thing. I'm like, all of a sudden this guy's a Chatzois guy. He's not a, he's not a Kriyashma guy. Right, right. All of a sudden, right. Why? Because it's the red dress. It's all about the matzah and the wine and how good the matzah ball. This year, mommy, the matzah balls. If that's what your Seder is about, you missed the whole boat. You missed the whole boat. It's not about how the matzah tastes. It's about what the matzah stands for in your life. The sometimes that you're broken. And the sometimes that you don't have great self-esteem and you feel a little low like a matzah. But matzah also fills you up. A little bit fills you up. Bread is a fake. Bread is a big fake. You eat it and you eat it and you eat it and it makes you more hungry and more hungry and more hungry. Matzah fills you up. You can't eat anymore. Bread is a fake. The whole the whole sa'ar should be isa. What bread? What comments? I always said, what does Hashem have problems with bread? A whole year you eat bread. At Shabbos you eat bread. By a wedding you eat bread. By a pinyon aben, by a bris you eat bread. All of a sudden for seven days like, oh, can't have it, can't see it, can't own it, can't go near it. It's like, whoa, what happened? And the answer is, the sa'ar should be Esau. It's not the bread, it's representation. It has nothing to do with bread. For re- bread represents the satan. And for eight days, we have to clean ourselves from the satan. What sa'ar should be Esau? What is sa'ar should be Esau? Nike. Sa'ar should be Esau is Nike. You're looking at me, wow, what are you talking about? What does Nike say? Just do it. Right? What sa'ar should be Esau? I'll tell you a funny story. I don't, um, I didn't see anyone bake chalas. My mother didn't bake chalas, my wife didn't bake chalas. So I never knew that much about chalas. And, and of course I knew about Shlissel Chala, because it's a schooler. So the Shabbos after Pesach, we all have to have Shlissel Chala, right? And sometimes I put my house key, so I should get a new house. Sometimes I put my safe deposit box. I'm trying, I'm, I haven't found the right key yet, right? I'm thinking safe deposit, maybe a new car, put my car key in. I'm trying, I'm trying. So far it hasn't worked. But Shlissel Chala, so everyone goes crazy, and people send me, that ever sends me this one, and you don't have to always put a key in. They make the top like a key, to know everything. Everybody knows that. So I got married, and we're like, Shlissel Chala. So my wife sends me to Glotmart, right? Because she doesn't, we don't really make challah. So I'm going to get canary kosher, that little box, canary kosher, that's pre-made challah. And you, you don't have to do much. You just put a little egg on, a little, little sesame seeds, and that's it. So she sends me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I don't know anything about challah. I walk in, I go to the freezer, these little blue boxes. I go to the manager, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm looking for a challah, not a bilkala. He says, we don't sell bilkalas. No, nobody makes pre-made bilkalas. We only sell chalas. I'm like, well, you don't know what's going on in your store. Because in your freezer, you only have bilkalas. He looks at me, he goes, at that time, I wasn't Rabbi Wallace. It was Zach. It was Zach. We don't sell bilkalas. Nobody makes bilkalas pre-made. I'm like, don't tell me what you're selling. Come with me to the freezer. You go, we go to the freezer. He says, what are you talking about? It's all chalas. I'm like, what are you talking about? Chal boxes to be this big. If you're making a chalas. These boxes are this big. He goes, go home. <laughs> just just buy two of these boxes and bring it to your wife of course I went home and you put it under the towel and five hours later it's, it's this big right why because challah needs no work just let it happen Nike just do it just cover it and on its own it becomes this big challah matzah you don't stop working the minute the flour hits the water it doesn't stop until 18 minutes until it's made you have to watch it you have to knead it then you cut it then you roll it then you make holes in it then you put it in the oven it's never let alone to rise on its own how many minutes to a, to a matzah? 18 minutes what does 18 represent? chai represents life 
Life, the only way to be successful in life is if you work. From the minute that you're born, from the minute that the flower hits the water, flower representing the body, water representing the neshama, you can't stop. You can't rest. If you rest and you think things are going to happen on its own, you're going to become chametz. So the, the idea, kavayosha, the idea behind when you clean your chametz, it's not the crumb. Hashem has no problem with crumbs. The crumb represents the crumb in your soul. It represents the satan whispering in your ear, you don't have to do nothing, it'll be okay, everything will work out. How do we know that? From Yaakov Avinu, I'm throwing you a lot of secrets. When Yaakov Avinu had the fight with the Malach, so the Malach, he asked, Yaakov Avinu said, what's your name? And what did the Malach say? What are you asking my name for? So the very famous Kasha. The Malach was a guy, it's Esav. Why did he answer a question with a question? That's a Jewish thing. <laughs> right, we ask a question, you get a question back. But he was a guy, he was Esau. So if you asked him, what's your name? He should have told him his name. Why are you asking my name? So the beautiful answer is, Lama, he did answer the question. He did answer the question. Lama Tishal Lishmi. My name is, why are you asking questions? The power of the Satan is, don't ask questions, just do it. Enjoy life. What are you asking? What's going to be? What's the consequence? What am I doing? Lama Zetishal Lishmi. My name is, why ask questions? That's the challah. Just let it go. It'll rise on its own. A matzah is work and work and work. And every single, I don't have time to go through it all tonight, but every single simon on the Seder plate stands for something to teach us a lesson about life. We'll end with this. I said that 15 times, but this time we'll, we'll really end with this. Because I, I want you to go in with a, a certain feeling into, into the Seder. And the feeling is this. So the question, whoever heard my shirim the last two weeks probably knows this story, but I think it's the most amazing, most beautiful story that I've ever heard. And it's about us. So it says that, that Kodesh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim b'chipazon. Chipazon is a moment. So they asked, why didn't Hashem tell us exactly three months in advance? So I said, he would have told us three months in advance, we would have had 9,000 wagons of food. We would have never gotten out of Mitzrayim. Seven layer cake, Joel Kishka. So Hashem was very smart. He says, now we're leaving. But I don't have this, I don't have bread, I don't have cake, I didn't have to go to the store. Too late, just go. We had no wagons of food. We just had, we just had flour and dough. We just had dough. Right? But that's a joke. The truth is, what does this mean, Bichy Puzzle? Because Baruch took us out in this moment. It's from Rav Shem So he says the following. He says, really? And this is also from a medrash. He says, really? We didn't deserve to leave Mitzrayim. We're on the 49th level of Tumah. We were Rishon. We were right there by the Zara. And it says in the Medrash that when Hashem told the Malachim that I'm going down to Mitzrayim, I think I found my Kala. I want to take this nation as my Kala. Yell at Shashuim, I want to take them as my Kala. The Malachim said, you, the kind Gadol, the God of the world, you want to take this as your Kala? If you're going to take a nation that's filthy and dirty on the 49th level of Tumah, why take the slaves? Take the masters. Take the mitzvah. You have two nations on the 49th level of Tumah. So why would you take the slaves? Take the masters. And Hashem said, I'm in love with the slave. That's who I want. And there's a whole story. 
he's a Kohen Gadol, and, we're he, and, and, and the Malachim said, you can't go be Metami yourself if you're going to go into Metami. And Hashem said, they're my Truma, and a Kohen for his Truma, is allowed to go into Beisach Gvaros, be Metami, it's a Neudik Medrash, and, and, and then the Malachim said, well, if you're going to be Metami Hashem, who's going to make you Tahar? And Hashem said, Aaron Akayim. Whatever that means, I have no idea, but it's very beferish inside. That's what it says. So there's this whole system that Akush Baruch just wanted to take us out of Mitzrayim in that moment because, according to Rabbi Shem he knew that if he waits another moment, we're on the 50th level and he'll never get us. So you know, sometimes in Shiduchim, right, the boy keeps pushing it off, pushing it off because he can't make a decision and he can't commit and he can't commit and then all of a sudden, something happens that he's going to lose the girl. And then all of a sudden, at that moment, when he realizes he's going to lose the girl, he commits. Not to compare Hashem to a date, but that's what was happening. He, Kaddish Baruch Hu, knew that if he wants Klai Yisrael, who he loved very much, that if he leaves us there for another minute, he's going to lose the girl. So it's a fantastic story, and you need to think about this when you're sitting by the Seder. The story is about a king, a boy, a, a prince, and they sent him, they're sending him with his army to find a beautiful queen because in those days they used to match you up with a queen to make the countries come together so he's in his coach and he's going with his soldiers and they're going to this faraway land he's going to meet these three princesses to see which one is going to be his wife and they're on the way and they get stopped at a corner at a crossroad they're stopped they're doing some construction and the, the king and the prince is sitting in his coach and all of a sudden from the side of the road there's this peasant little urchin this little girl this little woman and she's all filthy and dirty and ripped clothing and she puts her hand out and she says, alms for the poor, to, the, to this young prince. And this prince sees it's one of his subjects in the mud and the filth and the dirt and everything else. And he says, who are you? And she goes, it's not important. She says, you could just help me, sir. I'm starving. I'm hungry. It's not important who I am. And he says, no, no, no. Come, come here. I want to talk to you. And of course, all the, all the king's men are like, no, 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 no. Uh, king, you don't understand. You're young. And it's very nice. But you're the king of the world. I mean, of, of the country. And people can't see you talking to some... Filthy, dirty, peasant woman. It's not good for the king. No, you, you just, we'll take care of her. We'll give her money. He's like, no, no. I, I want to talk to her. And they're like, oh man, you can't do this. You know, your father's not alive anymore. If he would see this. Uh, he says, I want to talk to her. I am the prince. Put her in the carriage. And like, she's filthy. She's filthy. Put her in the carriage. And of course they put her in the carriage. And she won't even look at him. She's, she's sitting in front of the king of the, of the country. And, and she's like, sir, I, I don't, I don't really want to bother you. I just want a little money. I'll go. I'll leave. He goes, no. Tell me where you're from. Tell me all about you, whatever it is. And he looks at her, and he says to the guys, turn, turn, turn the carriage around. We're going home. And they're like, no, 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 no. His advisor's like, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not a storybook. This is not a play. You can't have anything to do with her. She is filthy and dirty a peasant. You are going to meet princesses of countries. You cannot bring her home. I'm the prince. We're going home. They turn the thing around. Everyone, of course, they're all schmoozing like we got. He's crazy. We got to do something. I mean, we're going to lose the whole country. You, this is he read too many books. You can't do this. And they bring her back to the palace, and of course, the whole place is all murmuring behind his back. The kid flipped out. Look what this thing looks like. Whatever it is, and he comes in and he tells, I guess, the matrons, whatever it is. He says, "Listen, I want you to clean her up. Take her to my mother's room. His mother had passed away. Take her to my mother's room. I want you to clean her up. I want my mother's jewels, perfume, makeup. I want her at the dinner table at eight o'clock tonight." And the whole place is like, you can't do this. His advisor is like, I'm begging you, we'll take care of her. We'll, we'll build her a palace. Please, you've got to get her out of here. The people are going to revolt. There's nothing to talk about. 
And to make a long story short, of course, she comes to 8 o'clock to dinner, and she comes out in this gown, and this guy, and everyone's like, they never saw such a, pre- such a pretty woman in their lives. And he's like, you see? You see, I knew. And his advisor's like, very nice, but that's Chitanius. He says, she's a peasant. She doesn't know royalty. She doesn't know the way of the kingdom. She doesn't understand our ways. But Kachoya, she sits down at the table, they pass her something, she takes it all. She doesn't pass it on. What does she know? She's hungry, right? And they're like, they keep elbowing the king. See, you see, we can't. We can't have her. Yeah, she's very beautiful. And he says, no, I'm not going to marry her today. Six months. We're going to get her the best people. They're going to teach her manners. They're going to teach her how to walk, how to talk. We're going to educate her. And six months, and she ended up being, of course, the best queen that they ever had. Very nice story, Rabbi Wallstein. You came out to Muncie to tell us this? And the answer is yes. Because it's exactly what happened on the night of Pesach for all of us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the prince of the world, the king of the world. And he's looking for a Zimug. And there's a nation of slaves. Not kingly slaves. They're there for 210 years. They're in the mud. They're right there by Desira. They're on the 49th level of Tumah. And because Baruch tells his Malachim the Malan, he says to them, I want this filthy peasant slave to be my wife. And the Malachim are screaming, you're the king of the world. You can't bring this home. This nation is disgusting, vile. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu said, you'll see. I will take them out of Mitzrayim. I will clean them up. I will bring them to Sinai, And I will give them 613 ways of the royal family. And you will see. That this collar that I have will stick by me forever. And the Malachim, in a last ditch attempt, said to Akkadish Baruchu, it's a medrash, I saw it last night. If that's what has to be, you don't have to go down to Mitzrayim. We will take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. You are the king. You cannot be seen with this peasant nation. So we, the Malachim, will do Makis Pacharos, we'll wipe them out, we will take, the, you can't go down to the triumph. And Akash Baruch said to them, this is my will. Bishchipazam. There's a moment in every single Pesach night of every single year after, says Reb Shem Shem Pinkus, that moment comes back on this world. The same moment. Not we remember, but the same moment. And therefore, it is the only night of the year. Not Shavuos night when we got to Torah. Not Sukkot. Not Yom Kippur night. Not Rosh Hashanah night. The only night that's Leil Shimurim. That's a night of Shmirah for Klai Yisrael. Is the night that Hashem chose in a moment that even though we were undeserving, who were picked as his wife. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in the whole Haggadah. Only once by Yeminu Bahashem of Moshe Avdo, by being the main star in the whole story of Yitzhia Sitrayim, he's given no credit whatsoever. He's not spoken about. Paro, Lavan, all the bad guys. 
No Moshe Rabbeinu. And the reason is that after the Shidduch is made, there's no reason to talk about the Shachim. It's not my, my Dvar Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu is not in the Zivug. The Zivug is between Klaisel and Hashem. There's no room for a third. The Shachim's out. It's very nice you're talking, but once they're engaged, they don't need the Shachim anymore. So he says inside that you should know that when Hashem comes, and he, he Mamish says exactly, he says that Hashem comes with the Malachim, and he wants to show them. I'm going to read it to you. And that's it, we're finished. It's two, li- it's two lines. He says the following. Al-Kain, therefore, Tzarech leim eshirat v'shezbachais shal oisa layla v'simcha u'begila. You have to sing. Sing at the Seder. Forget about it. Let's get finished. Sing songs of Tehillah, Simcha, Vigila, v'layla haray shum leiv ragaz. And don't show a heart that you're in a rush. Don't show that you're in a rush. V'chein mazir hazoya bekama mekaymash. That when you sit in your house talking about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, God gathers the whole Pamalya of him, all his Malachim, because now he wants to prove that that princess that I saw in the mud that you thought was filthy, I saw way past what you saw. So he brings all his angels on the night that he fell in love. He's trying to explain to you, I picked the Shidduch, this is the anniversary. Now I'm going to show you, you didn't see who they are, but I saw who was underneath all that mud and filth. I saw what was underneath those 49 levels of tumma. This is the Zoya. For Ayim he says to the angels, L'chu v'shimu, come and listen. Listen to how they're talking about me. Azbaim kulam, all the angels come to your Seder. And they admit They all admit to him You picked a holy nation Not a nation that's on the 49th level They are forced to admit That thousands of years ago On the night they told Hashem Don't you dare come back with these people They are forced to admit I'm Kadosh what a beautiful, holy nation he has on this earth. That we're all besimcha in the geula that Hashem took us out. We give strength and gevura to Shemayim. I don't. I know. It, I'll explain to you what this means. By doing this seder, we're giving strength. To God. Now, that sounds, God doesn't need our strength, right? And all the world are in awe of God. What does this mean that we give Hashem strength? What does that mean? We don't give Hashem strength. And the answer is, we give the Midas Hadin the strength to answer to all the Makatrigim. By keeping the Sip of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Aval, he says, me. A person who finds the Haggadah as a weight on his shoulders. And he's going through the Seder by force or or just with laziness. And he's not happy. And he doesn't have Kavanah on what he's doing. This is very scary. He will not be Zaycha that if he's ever in a place of Sakana that God will do him a miracle. If he doesn't celebrate the Seder the way he's supposed to, then when he's in trouble, God will not help him. It's a, a Zoya. Kabbalah Yosher brings it down. Why? Because Mida Kenegin Mida. I did all these Nisim, and you're unappreciative of all these Nisim, 
So now you want an ace, but you're unappreciative of needs. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to give you that ace. So people who want, if they're ever in trouble, to be helped, it stems from how you keep the seder. So all of us need to know that by our seder, there will be a point in that seder where God will be sitting in that room with all His angels to prove that thousands of years ago, when we looked like mud and we were in the 49th level of Tuma, that all these malachim were wrong. Please make sure that a Baruch was what to be proud of. Don't be in a rush. Don't be talking about family business or politics or any other business. This is a night which is 100% to talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His greatness and appreciation that He took us even on the 49th level of Tumah and made us His Kala. So, my bracha to everyone here. It, it's so holy. I have a problem this year because I'm in a hotel. I've never been in a hotel for a, for a Seder. And I've been preaching this for so long and people are like, Rabbi Wallerstein, we heard you're away for a Seder and I have a little bit of a problem how to do this, but I, I think I might have come up with an answer. He says that it's so holy that when you set the table for the Seder, right? He says, the Ikka Kavana of the Seder, because Hashem's coming to your Seder with his Malachim, he says, Chalila v'chalila, chas v'shalom, l'saken hasiba yidei shifcha nachris, that your maid should set your table for the Seder. He says, Chalila v'chalila. Wait. Ki'im dafki Yisraelis. Only a Jew is allowed to set your table for the Seder. So in a hotel, what am I going to do? I'm going to take the kids around and we're going to reset. We're going to take all the plates, put it in the middle, and then put all the plates back. Why? Because he goes as far to say, It would be very good that the woman who sets your table, if she's a Jew, she shouldn't be tummy with Nida. Wait, it gets, it gets even better. But surely, she it's even better to be set by a little girl who was never in Nida. That's how holy this table has to be. There's no such halacha for Shabbos or any other Yatav, Rosh Hashanah. It has to be so holy that the person who sets your table has to have never been in Nida. Or a boy, who was, a man who was never coming. And he says that his Rebbe, this was a Sadanava, this was 350 years ago. He says that his Rebbe, he writes on the bottom, that his Rebbe, that she would ever need that. His Rebbe used to find a little kid, a little boy, or a little girl. It was never Tomei in their life. We don't even understand where the Kedusha is. So if you have to set the table, it has to be by someone who was never Tomei. Do you know what's going on at that table? Who's coming to dinner? You know who's coming to the Seder in your house? You know how careful you have to be? He holds that you're only allowed to talk. We can't do that. You're only allowed to talk Lushen Kaidish. Kabayosha says that at the Seder, you're not allowed to talk anything but Lushen Kaidish. We don't know Lushen Kaidish. But that's the Kedusha of, 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 of the night of the Seder. So you can't sit there and worry about the matzah and, and how good the t- wine tastes. You have to sit there and you have to talk about the nisim and the flies and not only the mitzrayim, the nisim and the flies that happened to you this year. And I always talk about my mitzrayim, my addictions, and the stuff that I had that I was struggling with and how I thank Hashem that He was there to help me because without Him, there's always someone holding that stick. 
Without him, you can't do anything. So you have to sit at the table, and each kid should talk about my grandmother. You should sit at the table and talk about the Holocaust. She didn't talk about Mitzrayim. She talked about the Holocaust and the miracles and how she got out and how she got out of Philippines. Whatever they went through, they would sit there at the table. That's just Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is forever. It's not just coming out of Egypt. It's, it's your struggle. And if you change something in your life for the better, you didn't used to go to Minyan, you went to Minyan, you can sit there and say, oh, how do you see me trying this year? Thank you, Hashem, for helping me. Whether it was business or other tithes that you have that you broke, whatever it is, that's what this night is all about. Because Baruch who's at your table, you're not going to get him there until next year. And the minute he leaves, the minute Pesach's over, you've got to work for 49 days to earn it to get back. You've got to do Chesed, Vura, Tiferes, Netzach, Till you get Malchus to the Malchus, this night Hashem came, how do you become, how do you become a, a, a queen? There's two ways to become a queen. You marry a king, or your father's a king. We have both. Hashem married us this night, and He made us His children this night. So we are Malchus Shiba Malchus, with no work. The minute that first night of Pesach is over, and it's just row, it's 49 days of work. You know, you get engaged to a girl, there's no work. Get down on one knee. Will you marry me? She said, yes, there's no work. All of a sudden, you're engaged. You're like, oh my gosh, I need a job. Oh my gosh, we got to find a hall. We need a band. We need flowers. Where are we going to live? We're going to go to Israel. Who's going to support us? Right? We're going to have all these questions, all this work. But the moment that you said, let's get married, there was no work. To get engaged, there's no work. After to get engaged, that's when it's all the work. Tonight, the night of Pesach, no work. We're at Malchus, Shiba Malchus, with no work. You have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to dance around the table. She with Mrs. Bachos. You picked me when I was filthy. You picked me when I was dirty. You picked my parents when you couldn't eat, when they were peasants. I love you, Hashem. This is unbelievable that we're sitting with our children at a Seder together. The Chayrus. That's what Pesach has to be. And if that's what Pesach will be, then Be'ezrat Hashem, I'll give you the bracha that my father, Ol Bashalom, used to always tell us the week before Pesach. He used to go, Mizolgain, bulbus and blut. Sounds like a very strange bracha. But it's brought down that Erev Pesach was the busiest, we're Kahanim. It was the busiest day for Kahanim. Because everyone brought a Karim Pesach. A family, 20, but the whole Klaus row bought. It said that they had a line. It was the only time that they had a line all the way up to the base of Migdash that everything was done in a line. Because every single family brought a Karim Pesach. So the Gemara says that the Kahanim were in blood till their knees. The blood in the base had made, with all the drainage that it had, there was so many Psachim, that the blood was up to their knees. Bulbus and blood means that you should be in, up to your knees in blood. So as Kahanim, that was the bracha, sounds like a little bit of a weird bracha, but that was the bracha that my father, so my father's not here anymore, so I'd like to give us all that bracha. That this year, Emir Hashem, the Kahanim, should be the bulbus in the base of Migdash in blood, and we should talk and have a chasal sidir Pesach, and no more tragedies, and Bezrat Hashem, the Shekhinah should be very proud that he chose us all those years again. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.